Hi, welcome to Before They're Verified, the podcast where we support and hear from people who are pursuing things they are passionate about, regardless of the amount of likes or followers they have. I'm your host, Hannah, and this is episode one, so thank you so much for listening. Today we have Tiana Gad as our guest, and the topic she is passionate about is mental health and mental health education. We do dive into childhood trauma, toxic relationships, and other potential triggering topics, so I just want you to be aware of that before continuing on. Otherwise, I'm incredibly excited to get this podcast started and hear from so many amazing people. I hope you enjoy. Okay. Well, hi. Thank you for joining me. And by joining me, me, I mean being on Zoom together. This is before they're verified. If you didn't know, welcome, which you probably didn't because this is the first episode. So you're listening to it for the first time. So welcome, everybody. Um, I am joined today by Miss Tiana. Hi, Tiana. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yes. I'm very honored to be your first guest on this podcast. Well, um, a little bit of background about Tiana and I. We met at college and lived together for multiple years and um, that was like seven years ago now, I think. And my brain was like, oh my God, it's been seven years. Yeah, seven years. Um, and one thing that we used to do all the time, uh, which I think you, I don't know if you coined it or if you got it from somewhere else, but it was called a heart to heart. And uh, <laughs> we, had, uh, we had this lovely little breakfast nook at our house where we would just stay up till who knows how when, who knows how when? Who knows what? how long? <laughs> Starting off strong. Um, and just chat about either really, really deep things or really, really stupid things. There was never an in-between. Or both at the same time. Oh, yes. Yes. Deep and stupid. Because that is possible. That's an option. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's totally possible. Um, yeah, it was wow, pretty insane. Yeah. that's. I feel like that's where this all started. Like... We could have recorded those then and had a podcast. Oh, a hundred percent. Oh my God. Can you imagine? <gasps> that would have been so fun. Like in the little breakfast nook, just chilling. Oh. Here's the surprise drunk guest of this week <laughs> who just happens to be here. Oh my God. <laughs> we There were so many things that we were like, oh my God. If this was popular when we were in college, like um, TikTok, because we didn't have TikTok when we were in college. And we're like, holy crap. Can you imagine what would have happened to us? Every night, TikTok dances. Oh, my God. I can't imagine. Yeah. But anyway, in conclusion, we have had many, many chats. So this is just a, another one, really, in our in our repertoire. Um, oh, yes. But no, uh, we're going to be talking about something not as dumb today. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess I'll just um, let you kind of give a, a small summary of kind of what your focus is and what what we'll kind of dive into in a little bit. And uh, this first episode is really important. I think it, it's coming off strong. So Tiana, if you want to talk a little bit about what you're passionate about, um, and then, and then uh, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Yeah. So I, in the last year, have been going back to school to get my degree in psychology, my bachelor's. Um, Psychology is something I have been really interested in and passionate about for like maybe eight or nine years now. I had my first psych class in high school and I was just immediately fascinated by it. I thought it was so cool. And I didn't start pursuing it 
um, seriously uh, until like the third year of my bachelor's, which was like five years ago, mm-hmm. a while ago, four, four or five years ago. And so I'm really passionate about mental health education um, and that being more widespread and talked about and whether it be your own mental health with people you feel safe with a therapist or just generally connecting um, with other people's mental health and understanding their struggles and their issues. Um, I think we live in a very unempathetic society. It's a very like, I am only watching out for me and my, you know, success and my things and I will do whatever it takes so I can be successful and okay. And it doesn't matter who I hurt along the way, as long as I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's important to prioritize yourself. And that's like a big thing that I've personally had to learn in my mental health journey is to prioritize myself. But I think so many people get caught up in prioritizing themselves as well. It's like the other end of the spectrum. So caught up in prioritizing themselves that they don't think about other people's feelings <laughs> or think about their, like they're prioritizing themselves, but in a way that's like inauthentic to them and uh, not making them actually happy. It's maybe what they think everyone else wants them to do mm-hmm. there's a lot of different ways that this manifests it's kind of crazy yeah like I think the way we're socialized is just like you you think you have to be a certain way and do a certain thing for whatever reason whatever identities you hold or you know male female like race like all those things play a part in how we're socialized and like then we think okay I have to go and do this or this is what or your, you know, your parents, whatever their expectations are too. Um, <laughs> and we don't realize how lost we get in those things and start just living so inauthentically. And it's like, why am I so unhappy? Why am I so fucking depressed? Yeah. And, oh, I'm not, there's literally nothing in my life that is me. Everything is like a projection, maybe what someone else wants me to do. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I feel like yeah. that's a major part of, kind of what's happening right now. I I feel like I've noticed it. So I recently moved to LA and kind of like started pursuing things that I wanted to pursue. And it almost feels selfish. (laughs) You know, not almost it does. It it kind of feels selfish. It is is selfish. Yeah, actually, but But it's not a bad thing. Right. And I think a lot of people are stuck in that like wanting to take the step but there's a difference obviously between being selfish for bad reasons and being selfish for good reasons you just have to make you know see what see what they are and and pursue the the right ones but yeah I feel like with what you were saying about like you know how 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 it always has been or or that's just the way it is I hate hate those statements when somebody tells me that's just the way it is I'm like why if you can give me an actual reason to why that we have to do things that way or whatever. And of course, all, all this goes back to making sure it's a positive impact or good for you or good for the world or whatever. Like we don't want to put negative stuff out there. But yeah, yeah I'm just like, why does it have to be that way? Why, why do you have to go to college right after high school? Why do you, you know, have to live here or there or, you know, why? That's like just the main question I always ask people. Yeah. It, but it's so important to question that why why because we were born into this but um 
one thing that has been kind of surprising going back to school, one of my psychology classes, it was the psychology of human sexuality, went back to like the beginning of human um, existence-ish, like mm-hmm. as we know humans now, like when we were like hunter-gatherers and stuff and like went through the history of human society and how like the social structures affected our relationships and how we form relationships and like when marriage kind of became more of a romantic union rather than a business union because that was different so it's like we didn't even grow up around that like when marriage was like a business union and that's like it was a totally different world in a way that we like thought about things so it's like we grow up thinking oh this is the way that things are but like the things weren't always like this this is just uh the result of many events over like years and years and years and years leading to like the culture we live in now but it doesn't have to be like this if it's wrong it can change like it's not it doesn't have to just stay this way because it seems to work and in a lot of ways it I think it's kind of becoming more obvious that it doesn't work to live like Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. I I'm I've said this a lot, but I think the pandemic made us all slow down and like start to ask why, question why. Why am I working this job? Why am I so happy that I don't have to go into work? Like, why does going back to work now make me so unhappy? Like all those things. And the pandemic made a lot of people, I think, question that. And then we had what we're calling now the great resignation happening where so many people are quitting their jobs and Mm -hmm. pursuing something else. I mean, our entire friend group really has changed. Our careers are in the process of in the last couple of years, which I think is incredible. And I think we're all pursuing things now that make us like light up a little bit more than old jobs. I tell people that all the time. There's four of us in our main friend group from college and we all got degrees in X subject, and now we're all pursuing things in different subjects or whatever it is. It's like mm-hmm. we're doing what makes us happy, not what we're <laughs> what we're told to do. But it's not like necessarily that we were told to to go to college, but it was kind of embedded in in all of us you know we were we were that age where it was like oh yep high school college what are you going to do where are you going to go to college that was the only question that people and I grew up in a small town you know it's but I wanted to I did want to I'm not saying I didn't but I'm just curious of what would have happened if (laughs) if like you you start talking about things like this sooner and I think that's kind of where you're where you want to see the future going too if I'm not mistaken is like better understanding of mental health and and things like that at a younger age so people can start to understand these things for themselves and have their own voice going through you know as they're maturing through life and trying to figure everything out yeah yeah well and I think like also like just the basic structure of you're 17 years old, you should decide what you want to do for the rest of your life right now just doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. I also think the idea that like you have to like do one job for the rest of your life and commit to that doesn't make any sense. Like I'm not going to be the same person in 10 years. I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, Why would that mean that I would work the same job? I have so many different pools of interest, things I like, if I get pulled in certain ways, that should be okay. It shouldn't be like, oh, you have to commit your life to this company and then 
yeah. you know, you work for 30 years and you get your retirement and then that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. The idea of that just makes me like just die a little inside or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I think too, the conversation is also, if, if that's what you want to do, awesome. Yeah. But it shouldn't be the only way or like only how it's or done. acceptable. Yeah. 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 Um, and I feel like, like our generation versus the one right below us. So my cousin is uh, three years younger than me. And her, I feel like her age, Gen which Z, is basically. like, like 20, Gen Z proper. Yeah, like 21, yeah. 22 age right now, currently. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, I don't want to say figuring it out because I don't want to put that pressure on them to be like, wait, are we? Um, but they're kind of realizing like all these people older than us went to college for four years or five years, me, and aren't even doing what they originally were doing. And so they're like either going to college and dropping out or not going to college or whatever it is. And they're taking some time for themselves. So I can, I, I see the change or the trend happening in the opposite direction, which I think is, helpful for people who didn't think they could do that before yes absolutely like setting that example Mm -hmm. well and then I was just thinking this and um, obviously you don't have to talk about it too much but would you say that um, when you started going to therapy that that access to that and that like self-reflection helped you like get you to move to LA and do all these things that you're doing now yeah. Well, and like that, that was the hard part too was, so I started going to therapy in college and I went off and on because this is another good topic to talk about as well. But in, um, in college they have, um, student health services. So basically what would happen was you go and there was a wait list yeah. to get therapy at school and it was free I mean you pay for student health services fees on your tuition but that you know is a bunch of other things as well but basically the waiting room was always packed there was a ton of therapists because they're all basically master's students trying to get their hours or whatever and anyway so that was the first time I ever went to therapy (laughs) And it was not, it was overwhelming, I guess I would say. I was say that's, yeah, it feels like an overwhelming environment. Yeah. And like not, it wasn't necessarily their fault. I guess that kind of, it's, it's two thoughts there. It's one, at least a lot of people are taking the time for themselves to go get help or talk to somebody. So that's great. But at mm-hmm. the same time, it also shows the lack of, I guess, just attention that was put on that because there's not enough therapist for how many people need it yeah well I think it just highlights the importance because that therapy was free like yes it was taken out of the student um, fees but for um, students that are taking loans out you know coming from a lot more poor backgrounds where they would have never been able to afford therapy they get this free therapy because now I've been back in school and taking out loans I'm like okay this is how loans work like you get all this money and then like a lot of times they'll give you more money than what you need Mm -hmm. but they cover all your freaking costs like any student costs they will cover that for you yeah so then it just shows how important that access of the free therapy isn't like if that was available readily to anyone 
how many people would be just right on top of that. Yep. Like to me, it's ridiculous how inaccessible and expensive mental health services are to people when it just to me at this point is such an essential health service. Yeah. Yeah. And going back to the the student health services at our school, like it might not be the best, but you're getting something. And then when you leave, you have to start over. You don't get the same therapist again. Well, either that or like I, I took there. I was in therapy for two years in college. Okay. And yeah, you go, you go home for the summer and then you come back and you sign up again. And like my original therapist wasn't available or something, or maybe, I don't know, I don't know what happened, right? But basically, so I had to start over in a sense of explaining everything to this new therapist and blah, 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 you know, and talking to her about all this stuff. And then I graduated college (laughs) and then I found a new therapist and it's like, I... I am so grateful for therapists and everything they do. I really am. But it's so hard for people to want to keep going because it's almost more exhausting to to like start over with a new person and, you know, all these things. But I'm kind of to backtrack and answer your question. When I started going to therapy, it was... It wasn't even like, and this would, you know, be different for everybody, but it was like someone was finally telling me that the thoughts I had of wanting to do something else was because it was who I was. Not because I wanted to like get out of town or do this or do that or all these other thoughts that I had made up in my head. Yes, they they helped me kind of take ownership of who I was as a person and find that within me and be like, okay, well, is this thing that you're talking about something that you really want to do? They would help me navigate the different sides of that and everything like that. So, yeah. um, and also <laughs> talking about like this, like we're doing, talking about it more and just making it more of a conversation. I was at work one time and... Um, one of my coworkers, we were talking about something. I was like, oh yeah, I told this hilarious story to my therapist the other day. And the, my coworker was like, wait, Hannah, you go to therapy? Like she was shocked, (laughs) which I'm like, do I, I guess I'd take that as a compliment. I don't know if I'm hiding things. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, I don't know how to take this right now. Yeah. Well, she was like, she literally said to me, she's like, you you just are so together. You're just so right. put together. Yeah. I was like, maybe on the outside. No. Um, You're like, I look put together on the outside because of the therapy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but w- the conversation that happened was I casually said something about my therapist or going to therapy. Yeah. She had said something back to me and then we had a conversation about it. And it was really opening and helpful and cool. And it made me feel really good because it didn't make me feel like... I was hiding anything. I was just able to talk about it. And then she was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. You know, she was very open about it and everything. And it was just very nice um, to, yeah, to talk. And it takes a while, you know, like when I did therapy in college, I was just like, oh, I'm just going to go, I'm going to go study. And then I'd go to therapy, you know. Um, But now I'm just like, yeah, no, go to therapy. Like I I tell other people to go to therapy. Yes. Oh, yeah. Same. I mean, we can tell people to go to therapy as much as we want, but it 
really at the end you have to really want it for yourself because mm-hmm. even I was resistant to it for so long mm-hmm. too I'm like no 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 I can handle it like I know how to deal with my emotions but it takes kind of hearing something from someone else a lot of times to be like oh my bullshit <laughs> yeah well and also like I think a lot of people I mean, I'm kind of going back and forth, but it is it does take a lot of energy and a lot of work to find a therapist that you click with, to tell them your whole life story, to relive things. But I think what people don't understand or or just maybe aren't aware of as much is when you see a therapist, you literally, at least this is with mine, so this is my own personal experience, but right. you just start talking, right? Yeah. And then if things get brought up, then you can go deeper. And my therapist was always very like, you know, if you want to talk about that now or we can get into it later, you know, or ex- tell me how much of it you want to discuss mm-hmm. and we can pause and, and whatever. So like that's literally their job. Yeah. They're there. It's, it's to... their job to listen to you. Like yeah. you have free reign to just kind of talk their ear off yeah. the entire hour if you want to just cathartically get out whatever it is yeah. that's like going on at that time. Yeah. And it doesn't and- have to be like something just happened in your life if you're just like kind of feeling blah or or stuck or or nothing like if you're happy you're like "Mm, I could still I just I just want to talk to somebody I just want to hear someone someone's unbiased opinion because normally the people you're talking to in your life already have an opinion of you or they you know know everything about you or they think they do yeah yeah, a hundred percent. Like I spent like all of 2021, most of it processing a lot of trauma throughout my life. And my therapy sessions would honestly just be me hopping on every two weeks and just going through all kind of the things that were coming up and how I thought about it, how I was processing through it. So it wasn't even that I was in like a bad place. It was like, Hey, I'm like realizing all these things. So there's this and this and this, then yeah, it's like similar thing. Oh, you're doing great work. Like, that's great. And then there'll be times like, okay, so this happened. Like, what do you think of this? How could I handle this? Like, especially with family dynamics, like Mm -hmm. most of my shit is coming from that and how to deal with that. And therapists are wonderful for like validating how to deal with your relationships with other people, because they can be like, okay, like, this is what your experience is your experience in this matters, your emotions about this matter, stop thinking so much about the other person. Like, because I will get so in my head about it. And then my therapist is like, hey, 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 (laughs) you matter too. Like, (laughs) bring it back, bring it back in. Bring it back in. And you said earlier that you, you were kind of hesitant to start just because of your trauma and, and and family issues and things like that or would you mind uh talking a little bit about kind of your transition into accepting and 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 uh t- seeing a therapist and stuff yeah, yeah yeah well when my parents first got like separated and divorced it was very like traumatic and that was um a little over six years ago uh right before my 19th birthday yes I do remember this oh dear like happy birthday to me oh gosh (laughs) but like I went to a couple therapists like I went to the therapist my sister was seeing at the time once and then I went to see another therapist once and just kind of talked about things and I was like yeah that's good 
Like, I, I know that that was a shitty transition and my parents are getting divorced now, but I've known that this has had to happen for a while, whatever. It's fine. And then I went on for the next, like, four years of my life and um, got into a really codependent and toxic relationship. I still was not going to therapy. I was running from my problems, essentially, like, filling it with um, alcohol abuse, um, just relying on my partner to validate me in any way I could possibly find. And I was miserable. And I got diagnosed for ADHD like three years ago. I hadn't started therapy yet, but my focus was terrible at work. My energy levels were just awful. Like my, I just physically felt awful all the time. And like, I would go through these depression spurts of like, I remember my first apartment ever. I was like curled in a fetal position on the bathroom floor. Nothing bad had happened really. Like, I think me and my partner, like it it wasn't even that big of a tiff compared to like the arguments we would have, but it just triggered me so much for whatever reason. I just remember being on the floor, like literally saying, I want to die. I want to die. I want to die. And like, he was like, I'm going to call the cops if you keep saying that. Like, but it was just such like, I, I remember this so well because I was just so just like fed up and I didn't understand why it was like, I would rather like really want to die right now. And I hadn't felt that way since I was maybe 17. Mm -hmm. And looking back now, it was clearly like an emotional flashback of like all this trauma that was just pent up in me that I wasn't addressing. And I think it was about a year after that, I started going to therapy. I found a therapist specialized in ADHD because at this point I still was not like, oh, it's trauma. I was like, oh, I should go for my ADHD. That sounds like a good idea. And I went to therapy and just talked about like my ADHD for six months. And I started my medication during that time. And it definitely helped me get out of this funk Mm -hmm. that I was in. But then um, this is like, July 2020, August 2020. I've been in therapy for like six to seven months now. Um, I started to like not take my meds anymore. I just like had a lot of side effects. Um, Oh, and I had lost like so much weight during that time too. Like, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't put it back on. I had no appetite. Like it literally was like, and I found out later I have IBS and this is why. Um, Like I would have food in my mouth and I would just let it sit there. Like, I couldn't even get myself to chew it, to, like, swallow it. That felt like the word, like, such a task. Mm-hmm. I, it's so weird to think about now because I literally hate my food. <laughs> I love food. I'm such a foodie. But at this time, like, I couldn't bring myself to eat. And it's just so weird looking back on it now because I can't even, like, put myself in that girl's body anymore. But that was me three years ago. Mm-hmm. And so when I hear people talk about like what trauma does to you now, I'm like, that's so fucking real because it's like, I didn't even know at the time that that's what was eating at me. Mm -hmm. And then I started to address it like a year and a half ago and it wasn't even on purpose really. It was like, I got diagnosed with PTSD and then like three or four months later, um, after I broke off my codependent toxic relationship, which I think was a big part of it. It was kind of like this filler place. So I wouldn't have to like think about these things 
it just allowed me to put all the energy into this other person and think about this other person and their needs and not address my own. And like, once I got out of that, everything started to hit like all this trauma, like childhood trauma and just uh, trauma before the relationship from like other friends and past relationships all at once in different waves of processing. And at this point now I've addressed a lot of things and it's like a constant, like sometimes like things will come back up. Sometimes I get triggered still and the emotions with that are still very rampant. Like, Oh, my last episode actually was like two weeks ago. Mm. I had a really bad one. Um, and this is something I actually want to explain a little bit more in depth. It's called an emotional flashback. Mm. And not a lot of people understand this. And I think this is part of the mental health education that I would just like, we need to talk about this. Because the PTSD I have is complex PTSD and distinguish between the two for everyone listening. Um, the PTSD most of us know is like you experience this one traumatic event, like an accident, you go to war and like, it's this big thing. It's this event that you have PTSD from, um, which that can play into like, I have PTSD from singular events as well, but complex PTSD is like over time, like being in an, in an abusive relationship, like an abusive relationship with your parents, a partner, a friend. I've had all three mm-hmm. and um, that kind of like gaslighting, love bombing, um, over time, like conditions you into like a new state. So you can keep the peace in that abusive relationship. For me, it started with keeping the peace between my parents and me or between my parents Mm -hmm. or between my parents and my sister. I felt like I had to keep the peace there. Then that transitions into me feeling I need to keep the peace between me and my toxic friends or my toxic partner. And I was just putting all of that into other people and not paying attention to myself. And so that's the difference. It's like complex trauma is like over time. Like it's just again and again. And it's like, it's little things. It might be just like, oh, that was like a really nasty thing that person just like said or did to me. And then they will like, you'll maybe you'll bring it up later and they'll be like, I never did that. And then they do shit like that over and over again. Mm-hmm. Gaslighting. And so, and then you just start to question your own reality. And especially like when you live with people that are constantly telling you, no, that's not your reality. This is the reality when that's, wait, but that doesn't line up with my experience of it. Right. That's traumatic. And, um, An emotional flashback is highly associated with complex PTSD because, again, these aren't these, like, episodic memories of, like, this big thing happened to me. So you're not vividly remembering something. It's more of, like, the emotions that are built up over time when you're conditioned over and over again to, like, I have to behave this way. I have to do this. I have to satisfy this person. And you have this emotional trauma that builds up over time. So when you experience an emotional flashback, you're feeling the emotions of the maybe you contained or just denied in your experience of that past complex trauma. And then it all comes up when it's triggered by maybe like another person that's currently in your life or a situation. Like then it comes up and you're like, why am I having such a 
inappropriate emotional response to this thing. It doesn't line up. And then people will be like, why are you acting like this? And then you question your own reality again. And you're like, why am I acting like this? So it's a cycle. And yeah. if you can't even identify your emotional flashbacks, then it's like you keep staying in the cycle of trauma. It's like so, negative deja vu. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's exactly what it is. And two weeks ago, I had kind of like my first big emotional flashback where I was very consciously aware of it. Like, and even, and that's the thing, even though I was literally telling myself, this is an emotional flashback, I was still f- losing my mind. Yeah. It was awful, but at least I knew what it was this time. And yeah. it wasn't like, oh, I did something wrong or there's something wrong with me in that way. Um, but it was really intense. Like I, it was like two or three days it really stuck with me and there was one big blow up for like maybe five or six hours I couldn't stop crying and then I went to um, my acupuncturist is basically my therapist at this point um, (laughs) because I get all of like three of these like things from her like I get therapy I get acupuncture and then um, just like just we just chat sometimes too you know that that whole thing yes (laughs) and so I go to her and I also feel very very comfortable with her like that's another thing with therapists finding someone that makes you feel so comfortable and that you can talk about anything you can talk about stuff that like you don't you're not proud of like Mm -hmm. maybe shitty things you yourself did because I think that can be hard to talk about with therapists of like admitting to your own yeah toxicity and bullshit especially when you first meet them because you're like I don't know (laughs) Oh, yeah, you're like, I don't want them to judge me. I want yeah. them to like me. Yeah. There's all the good things about me uh, that you don't need to fix. <laughs> it's like, yeah. that's not the point of this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so, like, I unloaded this, like, very old trauma onto um, my acupuncturist, and we um, go through it and talk about it. And um, I'm just going to go into what it was because I think this is also very interesting. It's trauma surrounding my sexuality. I um, had a really traumatic incident when I was 15 years old where I was just coming into probably my sexuality at that time and um, I'm bisexual and my first like really close friendship as a like high schooler teenager once I had moved on from friends that kind of I had issues with in middle school um this friend, she was like, just everything to me. Like she embodied all the qualities that like I wanted to like be in this new part of my life at 15 years old, entering high school. She wanted to be my best friend too. And so like, without understanding that, like, I have this part of me that's like attracted to women. And I really, I feel the same way about women as I do men, Mm -hmm. but I didn't, no one explained that shit to me. And like there was one night where it was the first time I had gotten drunk and I just really wanted to kiss her. Like, I was just like, Oh, she's just like, is so cool and sweet. I just feel so safe with her. Like I want to kiss her a very natural thing to feel for someone who feels like very emotionally connected, attracted to someone. And like that happened, she kissed me back and then like stopped it. And then from then on, she would bring it up in front of all of our friends and make fun of me for it. Oh, God. And it started the trend of calling me a dyke. 
these were my best friends. Oh my god. That did this and it was yes. And how old were you again? I was 15. Oh my god. And from then on in this new friend group I had in high school, I kind of just became the butt of all my friends' jokes. Mm. I was that friend and the reason I was that friend was because they knew I would take it and not fight against it because Mm -hmm. I so badly wanted to be loved and accepted because I didn't feel that way at home. And I'm like, well, I'm here and this is what I can get here. And these people also, so it's toxic at home. It's toxic (laughs) with your friends. Um, But that experience pushed me in the closet for seven more years. As you know, I came out about three years ago, Mm -hmm. pretty publicly. And this friend, she actually commented on that post on Facebook and said, oh my gosh, so happy for you. And then I get screenshots of her Twitter that day where she tells the story again. Like she's like, my friend from high school just came out. I remember when we were 15 <sighs> and we had a sleepover. And she retells the story in the context of saying I sexually assaulted her. Oh my God. Which I know didn't happen. And this girl is always like, I don't want to be like, she's always making up shit. Don't believe her. Because I'm always like, believe women. But (laughs) she has a history of doing this stuff because we had like the same friends in high school. So it's like, I know what kind of person she is. Mm -hmm. But it was something like after I even I came out, it almost almost, it did re-traumatize the situation for me. And so then like uh, a few weeks ago, um, like I met like, couple girls I was like oh my gosh like they're so cool and all of a sudden I am triggered and going through that emotional flashback because I feel this like want to like connect with this like girl that I think is so cool and like that I would be friends with but then it's like oh but I also find her very attractive and she's very openly like gay and so it's like oh this like this is here this Mm -hmm. like is a real thing and so it's like I think once that reality is like coming in that old shit got triggered for me and I had to work through this like emotional flashback of like really heavy trauma and my acupuncturist when I went through this with her she's like this is like a big part of your identity like it happened at a young age like really affected the way that you make healthy attachments because I definitely identify with having like insecure attachment and something I've been really working on over the last couple of years. And when she said that, and since I've started processing this like specific emotional trauma, it's really started to shift like my paradigm. Yeah. But it took like, even though I've been on this freaking thing for like two years, like mm-hmm. I, I don't know why I just put quotes up. <laughs> I was going to say, cause I was going to say healing journey and I, and I just like, it's just such a generalized word now. Oh. I still use it, but I I, <laughs> I hate saying it now because I don't like it to like maybe say like, oh, I'm broken because mm. we're not broken. Like we're whole already. It's yeah. just like coming back to like yourself before the world got to you. Yeah. But that's such a long, longer way of saying it than <laughs> healing journey. <laughs> we'll get it put on t-shirts. No. Um, oh, perfect. <gasps> well, um, First of all, I'm sorry that all that happened to you. And I'm glad that you're processing it and going through it, um, you know, trying to get out the other side and everything. But I think your story about that, I think a lot of people can probably connect to in one way or another. And so 
again, it's hard for for people to talk about or they don't or they suppress it or or something. And, you know, everyone is on their own path and like where they're at in their lives at at certain points. But I think hearing those kinds of things, especially for for kids now who are 15 with social media and with all the I don't even know. Like, honestly, uh, side note, I DoorDash (laughs) for money. (laughs) And every time I have to drop food off at the high school, I like start sweating. Like, I am afraid of freaking high schoolers because they're terrifying me. Uh, (laughs) Because when you're 15 and you're just trying to figure stuff out and there's all these other factors in the way and you don't know how to put them into categories and they all just get jumbled together. So like you're Mm -hmm. saying, you have this friend group. So you're like, oh, these friends are supposed to support me, but then they're basically bullying you. But then you're like, wait, no, but they're my friends. And then now with this day and age, adding social media, like, oh, if somebody likes this picture, but they're in a different friend group, but then they, you know, it's ridiculous. Oh, it's exhausting. Exhausting. That's a better word. Thank you. It's not ridiculous. It's what's happening. And um, yeah, kind of bringing it all back around. If things were talked about more from a young age, middle school, high school, about just, I mean, we were told about, you know, bullying in high school and be not, you know, do all these yeah. things. Like there was a very baseline, but they never got into the psychology of it. They never got into how someone really feels when they go yeah. home. I, I would hope that if a 15 year old heard that what they said as a joke was making somebody cry and not want to come to school, mm-hmm. that that would affect them. Uh, to change yeah I, I would I would hope so too but the mat one of the matter of facts is kids are assholes they're gonna be assholes they are they are little assholes and I was an <laughs> asshole I will own up to that I was an asshole kid too at certain points but we grow up and we learned from that oh that was really mean like mm-hmm. it, I think it's, it's just how we learn we kind of have to be assholes at some point yeah. to learn that like that's not okay like especially in that kid way mm-hmm. I think it's kind of inevitable that you know high schoolers are going to be assholes and mean that's just going to happen but it's actually teaching emotional intelligence mm-hmm. um we don't we aren't taught that in any capacity yeah and so being able to understand one's own emotions I mean I would love if 15 year olds could understand empathy but I, I don't want to place that kind of like pressure on a, there's so much more that they're coming into at that yeah. point. Like they're going to grow into that as they get older, but we hope, <laughs> we hope. And with, with better socialization, they can grow into that with talking about it more. They can yeah. grow into that easier, but still allowing when people to make mistakes mm-hmm. and to be assholes and yeah. to allow redemption and growth and learning. Totally. Um, is how we're going to get through this really. Um, yeah. And I think like a lot of it too, like the way that we socialize boys and girls differently, like mm-hmm. when women are like crying and being very like sensitive, that's mm-hmm. the word that they like. You're mm-hmm. so sensitive. <laughs> they like to use that one with women a lot. And then with guys, they like to tell them to be a man and to not cry. And if they do do that, then they are not being manly. Yeah. And they'll call them a girl. 
and that like inherent just like don't feel your emotions mm-hmm. is what got us in this entire mess yeah yeah well I think I think looking at it too because I, I agree it's not gonna be like a an Let's learn how you can hurt people. Because, I mean, that basically is the curriculum now. It's like, okay, that's the surface level, sure. But, mm-hmm. yes, 15-year-olds, 14-year-olds, whatever, they they got a lot of shit going on that they're trying to figure out themselves. They're probably not going to be focusing on that. But I think a thing that needs to be reinforced, which every high school is different, every every school is different, depending mm-hmm. on if you're in a, in a city, in a small town, going to a private school, whatever it is. Yeah. But supporting people, like, that is such a simple thing to do, that teenagers, I don't think fully see as an option. Because yeah they're in these cliques and they're doing these things or they're, you know, if you're in, uh, you know, the football team and you're in this, like you can't support, like why, why not? Again, coming back to the the main question of why, why, why do you have to put somebody down? Why can't you just support them? If they're wearing an outfit that you wouldn't wear, think to yourself, why, why did they choose that outfit? Let me support them in their outfit because they, they look confident. Yeah, you know yeah. they look proud of themselves. I wish I was that. If you're jealous, don't. I'm not gonna say don't be jealous. That's an emotion. That's what comes out. But be supportive of their progress or their um, excitement or whatever. It's really not yeah. <laughs> that hard to do. Yeah, I just uh, you yeah. know that is. I just like had a flashback, not a flashback, but just like thought about you know my judgmental asshole self scene like someone who is maybe on the more like oh they're weird wearing mm-hmm. like a crazy outfit at, in high school and if I saw that across the hall I'd be like oh god like what a weird outfit but the the reality is is I wouldn't wear that because I don't have like the boldness yeah. to just show up like that that person was like I don't care exactly I like this I'm gonna wear it and I'm gonna show up like that and as like a more emotionally mature adult now I'm like good on you like work it like that's awesome yeah be confident rock your shit and but like I personally couldn't do that and it's like I'm I'm no not no longer but recognizing oh my defensiveness of like trying to criticize someone comes from Mm -hmm. me and my own insecurity Mm -hmm. uh which we all do like to an extent like I mean people do deserve to be criticized obviously at some point like you know (laughs) again there's constructive criticism is good yes and there's differences between negative and pot like if you're doing it for the wrong reasons or you're doing it for the you know right reasons (laughs) yes exactly yeah help that is actually trying to help or help that is just trying to be like a power trip or something I don't know exactly no exactly (laughs) but I guess that's the thing is like allowing or talking more about supporting others and recognizing comes all back to recognizing like with therapy that's like the Mm -hmm. first if you don't go to therapy the first thing you could do is just start recognizing and being aware of yourself your thoughts and your emotions so if you're a 15 year old in high school and you notice someone with a weird outfit that you that you distinguish as weird recognize that you just said that in your head say, am I thinking they're weird because that's a weird outfit? Or am I thinking it's weird because I'm jealous I don't have that confidence? It can literally take 20 seconds in your head to reroute 
what you just thought. And instead of putting somebody down, you can go and support their confidence and then figure your own shit out. (laughs) Like, you don't need to put that on somebody else. Yeah, I think like, yeah, but starting a movement of radical acceptance Mm -hmm. and unconditional love I really like those two phrases because radical acceptance, like the word radical is like you're going beyond, you know, your normal maybe limits of what you would accept. But just like this person is who they are. Mm -hmm. This is who they are in this moment. And I'm going to accept them as is, whether that means they are my best friend. They are someone that I'm never going to associate with again or like a partner, like it it could be any of those. You can radically accept people and you can unconditionally love people, but still uphold your own boundaries and Mm -hmm. limits with them, but still practice that because you're practicing it either maybe, well, you're practicing it for yourself and for them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, that's going to bounce back. If you're starting to notice things about other people Mm -hmm. and doing that reflection on other people almost, hopefully it's going to be like, oh, okay. I, I see what I just did there. I hope that they did the same for me or or whatever it is and be like, okay, so I'm starting to figure it out. Just again, yeah. having all of these thoughts in your head where um, trying to turn the, the thoughts, all of the craziness and the chaos in your head yeah. into what like what's the next step to organize that chaos? Is it yeah. talking to my friend? Is it talking to a therapist? Is it, you know accepting somebody but having these conversations like you and I are having and hopefully just making the norm different than it is will hopefully change that yeah you said something earlier about like your relationships and something I've highly kind of started to resonate with is your relationships are mirrors to yourself Mm -hmm. as a way to like they reflect back to you because we're always growing and changing they're reflecting back to you what's going on kind Mm -hmm. of in a way like and that can be in so many ways it's different for everyone we all have our own individual experiences but like we can use our relationships as mirrors to grow and learn from them for however amount of time that's supposed to go on it's all different it could be months years decades weeks, days, you know, every, everything is different. And uh, once I started to like, see that and be like, okay, so these relationships are prominent in my life right now. What am I learning from this? Like, uh, my roommate, for example, uh, we've been friends for 10 plus years now. And with where we are right now, I, we're both in very different spots. But the things that like, he's going through and when he talks to me about stuff I see so much of myself mm-hmm. of it in it and like but it, but almost like uh it's like the deepest darkest corners of me that I maybe not want to reveal he proudly displays mm-hmm. without like apology and to me it's just and I'm recognizing that and I'm like oh like he lives his life and he displays these qualities of myself that maybe I don't like as much, but he does it like that. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not on that same level, but my reaction and like feelings about it are teaching me something Mm -hmm. in this moment. Or like, you know, even my last relationship as, you know, as I say, it was toxic and codependent. Me being able to get out of the relationship, to evaluate it for what it was like, 
I grew so much from being in that, from being able to recognize my own bullshit, my inability to assert myself in a way that I felt like comfortable and sure of what I was doing and the choices that I was making. And making that decision to like break off the relationship was so hard on me because I was almost going against everything that I had like told myself up to that point about mm-hmm. like, well, no, but I'm, but I'm like a really good girlfriend. Like I'm supposed to be with this person. They love me so much. So that means I have to be with them. Right. Like yeah. this person loves me, but do I love them like that? No. <laughs> mm-hmm. And being able to take myself out of their own feelings like that's was my own growth because yeah. I had been putting myself into other people's feelings for so long. It was the first step really in me like, okay, I'm going to start paying attention to myself now. But I had yeah. to go through all of that, those feelings of powerlessness, all that toxicity to recognize like I need to take some time to grow here or like even the actual situation, like, like cohabitating with someone <laughs> teaches you a lot I learned so much about what I do and don't want from that kind of close partnership so I value that so much even though it's like that's why I don't have regrets you know I'm just like (laughs) I can feel for a second that I'm like yeah that was regretful and I, I I don't enjoy that maybe that memory or that set of memories but there was also good memories. Mm-hmm. I would have stayed for so long if there wasn't good memories. And they showed me a side of myself that I had forgotten about. So that yeah. was a really big point of growth and point of like learning that I got from that relationship. So even though there was all these other like things, yeah. like it's just, everything's complicated. There's no, there's no good, there's no evil. Like everything is a freaking mix. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I I totally agree. And like, and what you said earlier too about the mirror and like seeing yourself and others and things, I think that's, that's kind of what I want this space to be too, Mm -hmm. you know, is like have people from all different backgrounds, all different passions and things they want to do with their life, talk about things and they might, so someone might hear this and be like, oh my gosh, I never even thought of that. Or I yeah. can see that in myself, but they're choosing, this is the path they went on. And it just gives people options. I just hope that this podcast and this, these conversations will open things up for people because the more you learn from people, the more you see how other people are doing things, like you said, determines if you want to do it that way or not. Or, you know, you're like, oh, I definitely did not, <laughs> did not enjoy that. <laughs> um, it's, it's really, you kind of just have to surround yourself with it. And I think hopefully with platforms like this, it's going to be easier to access different, um, different mindsets or different people and how they went about things. And, and I know, so you're, you're graduating with your mm-hmm. degree at the end of May or beginning of June, right? Yeah, beginning of June is when the term ends, awesome. commencement, all those things. Yes, Amazing. I just registered for my last term of school on Wednesday, yesterday. That was very exciting. 
That's amazing. Yes. And then, and you'll, so what will you uh, want to do after that? So it's kind of a double question, but yeah, where, where's your next steps after graduating and like, where would you want to see yourself far down the road, um, to, uh, pursuing what you're passionate about? Right. Um, so as of right now, okay. And this is just as of right now. The, yeah, I want to make it, it apparent. Everything can change. Your <laughs> mind can change. This is just in this moment right now. <laughs> well, it's just funny because I didn't used to be more con. I used to be so conscious of this is just how I feel right now. I used to be the kind of person that would plan things out mm-hmm. like, yeah, 10 years in advance, like this, like very detailed things. And of course, none of that works out. Everything is subject to change because so you know, life is unpredictable. Yeah. But the plan right now is I want to take a gap year Mm -hmm. uh, because I want to pursue a master's degree. Uh, So I plan to take a gap year and I want to actually work with uh, kids in Southeast Asia. Um, My initial idea was I want to work with traumatized children Mm -hmm. to some extent. Um, And I've I would love to figure out some kind of outreach through that. And I might have to contact my school about that if I can. But if anything, I would love to teach English for a little bit. Um, Cause I'd still work with kids. Like we're, I think just working with kids is something I really want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, again, those that's like the very essential years of like neurodevelopment. And so if you can like be like a safe person for a kid during that time, it could stick with them for the rest of their life. Yep. Like, remember when I was going through this thing and I had this really wonderful safe person around me even for just one kid I would love to be that for them yep yep um that's great yeah and so I plan to do that maybe six eight months we'll see and then uh I want to pursue a master's in neuroscience and I'm planning to move to Berlin to do that because they have a wonderful wonderful free school system there <laughs> that welcomes foreigners teaches the programs in English um yeah that's amazing I'm just like chilling here making a podcast and Tiana's like I'm gonna go and do all this stuff <laughs> I love it and I, I, I don't know how it. it'll it'll result but it's more like I what I can see myself eventually coming to with this is like trauma education is yeah. like developing some curriculum some way to make this kind of information more accessible more palatable to the average person um most recently um i it's so hard to find a good explanation of what a traumatic event is Mm. like i or at least i felt it was hard to understand what that means because to me i'm like like physical trauma like you know you were hit Mm. um and finding a definition that encapsulates like physical, mental, emotional, sexual, like whatever that is. And that like trauma is a surprise that you did not expect. Yeah. It is like, and especially when it comes from an entity that you trusted. So like, whether it's an organization, your parents, teachers, friends, like mm-hmm. you put trust into something and that trust is betrayed. And your whole world changes because of that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There's some and deep I, stuff. Yeah. I love it. But it, I just never heard it explained like that. Yeah. And when you, when 
it's said that way, I think everyone can think of something in their lives where that happened to them. Yep. And that's a traumatic event. And it's just, we kind of just live in this inherently traumatic society right now. It makes me sad. But again, having these conversations and the more we talk about it, Mm -hmm. the more we can be like, it's okay to have trauma. It's okay to have these effects of the trauma. Um, It's kind of a detrimental like flaw on my part that I have to kind of be like, I need to be more assertive and not allow people to walk all over me because I see people's trauma so easily. I will empathize with them immediately. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you're a shitty person because you were hurt. (laughs) And I know that. I know you're acting out of your hurtness. So it's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let you treat me like this because I know that you're hurt. There's a limit. Like there has to be boundaries. Yeah. And that is in this period, I've had to like relearn hey, just because you can understand why someone is hurt does not mean it's excusable for them to act the way they act. Like part of acknowledging trauma is to hold people accountable and hold people responsible. Um, It doesn't mean you have to do it to their face. You can do it on your own without them there. They don't even have to like acknowledge what they did to you. But if you can acknowledge it with yourself and validate yourself, that's all you need. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I'm so excited uh, just for the next few years for you. That's going to be so cool. Um, before they're verified, Gianna, uh, wait for it. There's going to be so many cool things you're doing. Um, uh, I hope so. Thank you. I would like to um, – I, I want to do a little rapid fire real quick. Okay. So that we can get to know you um, beyond – you know, the main topic we discussed, because uh, this podcast is all about uh, supporting the person. It's not not about promoting anything. If you happen to be doing something, obviously, we can talk about it. But the main thing is supporting the people, just like we talked about earlier, about how high schoolers just need to support people. (laughs) We all need to support each other, support groups, community. Exactly. Community is so important. Yes. So I thought... Lighten it up a little bit. Do some rapid fire questions so people can get to know, get to know the guests a little bit. Very simple. There's about six or seven questions. Um, you don't have to answer it like, ah, blue. Uh, but <laughs> I was literally in my mind like ready to do that. Um, like, but just like they're just short, short form questions. Um, okay, you ready? Yes. Okay. What is your favorite season out of the year? Summer. Okay. Uh, would you rather live in a city or in the country? Country. This is so, that's, that's a recent change. And this, you know, just applies right now. It does it can yeah. change. It can change people. I just have this change. fever dream of like having my little farmhouse oh. in the countryside. And maybe this was because I just spent like a month on a farm in the yeah. countryside a couple months ago, but I, <laughs> There was just this like beauty that I was like, mm-hmm. I love this. And I kind of grew up in a little bit outside the city. So I think I have this appreciation yeah. for the quiet and the peace. Ever since moving to LA, that's all I want. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I, uh, I know this answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, okay. Dogs or cats? Cats. Mm-hmm. Favorite movie currently? Or just your favorite movie in general? Okay. 
Um, this is questions like this are so hard for mm-hmm. me because I love so many things. Oh, I know. I same. If we're talking about like a movie that I've watched the most or something that I put on as Ooh. a comfort thing, yeah. Um, Pulp Fiction. Cool. Every time I watch that movie, I see something new, and it always just gets me. I, yeah, that's a better. <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> change that question for other people. Yeah, maybe like your most watched movie. That's a good one because yeah. it might not be necessarily a favorite, but you just love it. You love it, mm-hmm. but it's not like. Um, okay, somewhere you'd like to visit. Um, the thing is, I'm planning my next trip to Southeast Asia, so it's like there that's where I want to go yeah. next. I recently just had got my 23andMe back though, oh. and I found out which area of China mm-hmm. my um, Asian half is from. <laughs> like the specific area, they're able to like get this very detailed thing now. That's amazing. And the area, I'm probably gonna mispronounce this because I'm a terrible Chinese, but okay, it's like Gu- Guangdong maybe it's where hong kong is it's the area where hong kong is and so it's kind of on the coast and it's like right in this perfect area where like thailand singapore malaysia um like indonesia are like all in this little area so it's like right where all the other places i wanted to go is so i'm like perfect i'm very excited i'm like in this state of i want to connect with my ancestors that's amazing no that i want to go uh come Come with me. <laughs> Come with me. Yes. I'd love to. I welcome it. Um, okay. Uh, song, artist, or genre that's on repeat right now for you? <laughs> um, you know what? To answer this as accurately as I can. Are you going to look on, at your... I, for, I forget things. So let me just like look at my Spotify right now. Okay. Um, oh, no, wait. I can actually tell you that because Spotify tells you uh-huh. your most played song. Do you know that? Like, I, I was shown it a bit ago. Um but I haven't looked at it because I'm, again, I'm afraid what it's going to be. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. So if you go to your Spotify profile, it's just right there. It's okay. only visible to you, but it has your top tracks of the month. So okay, I'll tell you right now, my number one song, and this is no surprise because I have been listening to this on repeat and I almost forgot, um, Adele. Oh. I Drink Wine. It's off her new album. Okay. It's a beautiful song. I in a way, I think I've been resonating with it a little bit and just like growing from my past experiences and trauma and becoming like more of who I am because the chorus is like goes, um, I hope I learn to get over myself. Stop trying to be somebody else. Mm-hmm. I, oh, my God. I'm almost tearing up just saying oh. that out loud. Like, it's just like that's been getting me. Oh, that's so good. I, I love those goosebumpy feelings when you hear or see something like that. Oh. It's yeah. one of my favorite feelings. I, I drink wine by Adele. I think everyone should listen to that song just like sometime today. I will. Or like whenever you listen to I'll this. I'll do it yeah. later. Yeah. Um, I always need new songs to jam out to in the car when I'm door dashing. Um, okay. Last rapid fire question. Okay. If you drink it, how do you take your coffee currently? Um, I put in coffee creamer right now um just a little bit of creamer just a little bit of creamer um I'm also like the psycho that will absolutely drink black coffee Uh like I I have the kind of caffeine addiction where yeah you just give me something at some point in the day whatever's available to me I'm like (laughs) give me that coffee yeah but I actually am actively trying to cut back a bit because I'm back on my ADHD meds Uh, and they um stimulate me mm -hmm. and so when I drink caffeine i'm like wow why am i so much more jittery yeah. than usual it's like ah, it's the meds. 
that makes sense yeah yeah i've i'm the opposite i've been drinking more coffee recently um just because i've been doing more things and i need more energy (laughs) which is good which is good that i'm doing more things i'm proud of myself but um, i'm proud of you Awesome. Thank you for answering those questions, truthfully. Uh, <laughs> uh, that I lied on every single yeah, one. Actually, <laughs> joke's on you, Hannah. No. Um, great. Well, I just wanted to round out this episode, our first episode. I'm so excited. Um, something I'm going to do going forward with every episode is I want to, speaking of supporting people and supporting things, each episode I'm going to ask my guest an organization, a charity, a group, something that they support um, that they want to shed some light on. So can you tell us what organization you chose and uh, a little bit about it? Yeah. So, okay. So this is kind of hard for me because based on the topic that we're talking about, Mm -hmm. I wanted to actually provide some resources for people um, that I found very helpful in my own personal journey um, of understanding things. Um, and one of them was something we just talked about in our group chat yesterday. Oh, yeah. So this podcast, mm. Huberman Lab, is fantastic. They talk about the way the brain works, the way that he speaks about mental health is very accessible. Mm -hmm. and easy to listen to. It's interesting. He goes into the science that we have so far behind it. He's very explicit when he's talking about something that is merely a theory. Like this is a theory. There is no scientific evidence to back this up, but this. So, and I really appreciate that because it gets information across in a way that feels like truthful and authentic Mm. and that they're trying to make this accessible to everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, that podcast is great. Unlocking Us with Brene Brown mm-hmm. is another great podcast. And then this is an Instagrammer, but she makes really great posts that encompass mental health in the context of our society and culture, which I find very important. I don't think we can really speak about mental health properly until we acknowledge our societal and cultural mm-hmm. um conditioning that affects it Mm -hmm. and this uh woman does a wonderful job at talking about it her name is uh dr aisha khan her instagram handle is woke scientist Mm -hmm. and she has just very visually pleasing posts that give you information about these topics um again in a very accessible and understandable way that's amazing oh we got three i love it that's great. Um, and since it's the first episode, I will. So I'm going to be sharing the organizations or the, the Instagram handles and everything in, in the episode and on my own uh, on the before they're verified social media so people can access that easily. But because this conversation was mental health, and I am also passionate about that. Um, one organization that I really stand by, which is actually the shirt that I'm wearing today, I, if unless you're watching the uh video file you have no idea what this looks like but anyway it's a nonprofit organization called I Don't Mind and they are basically just trying to break the stigma which is what we're, what we're doing here today too of mental health in that conversation and uh, their website is really great they have like a journal where people can can post 
you know, uh, little stories or things um, about their mental health journeys. And then their main kind of thing that they do is they have all of this merchandise where 100% of the proceeds goes to, I believe it's Mental Health of America. It might be a different organization. I'll have to check on that. But it's a great company. They have an Instagram and a website and everything you buy, the proceeds go to that. But it's great because all of their, their merchandise has their name on it, which is I don't mind. And um, it's basically a conversation starter. And what it says is like, I don't mind talking about my mental health or I don't mind crying when I need to or, you know, I don't mind reaching out to a friend in need or, you know, whatever it is. So anyway, great organizations that uh, Tiana brought up and uh, go check check all of those out, including I don't mind. But yeah, I cannot believe that we did it. I'm so happy that that you're my first guest. And uh, even though it's called Before They're Verified... I know you'll do do great things. So excited to see it. And thank uh, you so much. Um, no, but seriously, thank you for having me yeah. as your first episode, first guest. I feel so honored. Um, and of course, honestly, I'm just so proud of you. Oh. Like, well, thank you. You're you're doing these. You're out here and you're doing these things and. <laughs> Like, you're like, I'm starting a podcast and like, here's the freaking podcast. Like, we've had so many conversations about you being like, oh, I just want to do this thing and then I start it and I don't finish it. But like, yeah! Let's hope that this actually gets put out. It will. Uh, no, yeah, it will. It will. Alrighty, my friend. Thank you again so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Best yes. of luck. Thank you, my friend. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to episode one of Before They're Verified. Come back next week for a brand new guest and keep up to date by following the podcast on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube under the handle Before They're Verified and on Twitter under the BTV Podcast. Also, if you'd like to be a guest or if you'd like to nominate someone to be a guest, please head to my website beforetheyreverified.com and fill out the form. Now go and do something that makes you happy. I'll see you next week.